irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal, only on L.A. Talk Radio. That's right. It's Raising the Vibration Radio right here on L.A. Talk Radio. We're here every Monday night from 7 to 9 p.m. interviewing people who I adore uh, that are constantly asking, what can I do to make the world a better place? And my uh, first guest, uh, all the whole show today is no exception. She is a wonderfully talented um, creative entity, actress and writer. Uh, she is also a fantastic spiritualist, uh, an acting coach, and also a spiritual coach. And uh, I know you're going to know all about her as soon as you hear her name. Welcome to the show. My wonderful friend, the fabulous Dee Wallace, is here. Hello, my friend. It's great to have oh, you. Hello, my beautiful friend. It's so good to be here. Again, we get to see each other so much this week. Isn't that great? We've seen each other so many times in the last month. Isn't that wonderful? I know. We should make it more of a habit. We yeah. need to definitely make it more <laughs> of a habit. You know, when I um, when I thought about doing this show and I was putting it together I founded the movement I am raising the vibration of the nation and the world on November 9th and then two months later we started this show and as I knew it was coming up I made a list of um, a couple of people that I wanted to be my first guest and you were right on the top of the list because I can think of nobody who better embodies raising the vibration than you do my friend well thank you that's a great honor coming from you Machina. Uh, so for you today on our show in the United States and in the world, um, what are some of the things that you think are the most important that we need as human beings to work on to sort of change the vibration of the world? Well, first of all, I would lose the word work. And I would put in its place play. Okay. Um, I can tell you that um, so many so many of us have brought been brought up with the belief in struggle that struggle equals getting what you want and actually the vibra- uh, the universe works exactly the opposite the more you can feel and feeling is also another word we use for knowing um, the feeling and experience of love and joy and freedom is actually the charge that creates bringing manifestation into the physical form and so whatever you want and everything you is a relationship from yourself to that thing whether it's money or your body or a really hot guy (laughs) um you're going to create it the same way which is by feeling the love joy and freedom that it gives you and feeling into that and matching it with what you want so it's a whole kind of turnaround if you will from everything we've been taught you know work hard and apply yourself and blah 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 um, I I have a great affinity for naivete, Sheena. And you know, you've read my book, Bright Light. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when I left Kansas. Never been out of Kansas before in my life. And off I went to New York after teaching a year of high school. And I just, it never occurred to me that 
I wasn't going to make it, that people weren't going to take care of me, that everything wasn't going to be okay, you know? I went off with $1,000 thinking, wow, I can live six months on this in New York, <laughs> right? But um, somebody was always there. Somebody was always there to teach me, to guide me, to take me to an agent, to um, say, hey, they're looking for a part-time um, a, a accountant or not accountant, but assistant, right? And uh, you can make your own hours and they'll pay you at the table. And I mean, somebody, somebody in the universe, aka the universe, was always there. So I, I think if we can just get out of our heads a little and really go into our hearts and go, this is what rocks my boat, this is what turns me on and I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to know it, it, it's, it's happening right now and live in that vibration. I was watching uh, all the marches, right? Sure. Uh, the replay of all the marches, and it was very clear to me that most of us that were marching really got that we did not want to be the energy of what we were marching against. Yes. And then there was, there were definite people that were angry and righteous and um, pissed off. And I'm going, no, you know, Martin Luther King really did know what he was doing on a scientific level as well as a spiritual level because he knew that if he was going to create success with this movement it had to be done from the intention of love from the experience of love and um, I think that's why so many people resonated with, with President Obama because you could tell he came from love. And and that's what I would encourage above all else right now is for us to not become the energy we are, quote-unquote, fighting against. The brain thinks in pictures, and it gives those pictures to your body and your psyche and the universe. So think only on those things you want and feel the joy and the freedom around those. And that's when we create the world we want. I agree. When I started the day after the election, I am raising the vibration.com. Um, people, I had people in my life, and I still have people in my life, uh, irregardless of, of which direction that they lean politically, say, you know, we're at war and, you know, we're trying to fix things. And what are you doing with that? And how is that helping? And what's with this peace and love crap? And it's, you know, I send them love. But but my my mission in with the movement is to find ways to get people to focus more on peace, love, kindness and unity and think less from the negative and more from the positive. Uh-huh. And, and even when I'm writing the, um, the the daily quotes that I write and the little inspirational blips and I always find a meme to go with it, sometimes I'll see something and it will be a good message, but it'll have a little bit of sort of a negative 
thing at the bottom and I'm like, nope, it, it doesn't belong here because just that little bit of negativity stuck in there uh, p- puts a whole different emphasis on what it's supposed to be about. And there there are ways to state something without having to put something negative or, or cynical. Exactly. Or, uh, put- uh, right after 9-11, I, I went to do um, a spiritual retreat in New York for a friend. And in the same um, window, there was, we shall overcome and united we stand. And you could feel the difference between those two statements. We shall overcome is, again, asking your brain to focus on the struggle, on what's bad, what's unjust, um, United We Stand is, for me, a positive image of people standing in unity. And um, if we are focused on fixing and overcoming, then we must find something to fix and overcome. And what we want to be living in is freedom, joy, and love. And the two things... Never the the twain shall meet, right? If you've got to fix and overcome, you're not living in joy and freedom. Right. Yeah. But I think, unfortunately, I think that, like you said, as human beings, it's that same thing that you were talking about at the beginning of the show about how we're trained that, that everything is work and that we have to work. I think we're also in some ways raised that everything is struggle and that everything is overcoming and that everything is getting past things. And Oh, for sure. And, and I'm we from fo- the we've... Midwest. I can tell you that's what <laughs> I was taught. Yeah. And I'm Irish, honey, so I can tell you that's what I was taught. Yeah. And we focus on this idea that everything is a struggle and everything is a pushback and everything is is a, is constantly a door that we're trying to get open or something that we're throwing yeah. our body against. And so we, we, we develop this consciousness of of you know pushing and trying and struggling and knocking down and punching down walls and it all comes from a place of negativity instead of thinking of a way to sort of you know blend with whatever's in your find a way to grow and blend with whatever's in your path and and move past it through moving with it yes perfect yes perfect and um i'm not suggesting at all that we don't take action. Sure, no, but, nor am I. But, and, the best action you can take to increase the effect of your physical action is to make sure you are in alignment with the joy and the freedom and the love before you take the action. Absolutely. So the action is propelled from that. Absolutely. I I completely agree with that. And I think that that's something that it's taken me, uh, it it took me a little while in my life to realize that, that, that even just on on an artistic level in our business of show, that it was not against, you know, shoving up against that door till it finally opened. It was about sitting in a place of calmness and, and listening to the inner voice and listening to the universe and figuring out which direction I was going to go in so that I could effortless, effortlessly move past the door that would open for me. Yes. Yeah. And another thing that people do is they look at the door and they think a lot about the door and going out the door and they can think their whole lives about going out that door and 
What if I'm too old? What if I'm too young? What if I don't know enough? What if it's not safe on the other side of the door? Uh, you know, blob, whatever our altered egos come up with. And we never walk out the door. And so we never truly know. But our reality is all of those things that we conjure up about the what if. And, and we end up living in that false reality, which is never, ever going to get you out the door. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just exhausting. I mean, I think that yeah. sometimes people just exhaust themselves. Uh, I think most of us yeah. exhaust ourselves. I've never seen uh, in my community and in my friendship circle so many people sick this year over the holidays it was unbelievable yeah and so i actually did um a whole uh, e-blast about it and what my channel said was it's all about the fear of this loss of power everybody's in grief because they feel like they have lost their power and you put the stress of the election and the stress of christmas together and you got a lot of grief and a lot of sick sick people. Absolutely. And it's a shame that Christmas has to be a stressful time. Because, I mean, you would think Seriously. It's, I, look, it's my favorite time of the year. Yeah, me too. You know? But I've learned to start really early so I don't build up the stress. Right? And I had like 200 gifts to buy and wrap for my cast and crew. Uh, down on uh, Just Ed Magic. And I thought, well, this can either be really stressful or this can be really joyful if I start way ahead of time. And so I was wrapping in everything, in everything for my cast and crew the first of November because I, my great joy is to focus on my family and my daughter. And uh, one thing that I do, I'm going to pass on what my mother passed on to me, is I have a Christmas closet. And I buy things all year, special things that I find all year, and I put it in, put them in that Christmas closet. And then when Christmas comes, I get to look through all those special things. And sometimes I put notes on it, like for the people that I think would love it and sometimes they're just special things and I get to go oh she'd love this and they'd love that and it makes it um, fun it makes it like going shopping all over again with having to spend money <laughs> so um, that's one thing my mother always did and and now I do it and now my daughter's doing it and um, it's it's um it's also a great little thing, you know, when birthdays and stuff come around. You have special things, spe- really special things that talk to people instead of running out and, you know, getting another gift card or something. No, I love that. I, and my mom did the same thing, as a matter of fact. Yeah? She, she hid oh stuff God. everywhere. And as I've been cleaning out her house, because she passed last year, um, I found uh, it was a laundry hamper in, in my parents' bathroom. And I thought, what in the world is this? What would, what's in here? Probably some old dirty towels they forgot to wash. And I opened it up, and she had a whole bunch of Christmas gifts stashed for me. 
Oh, that, that she God, hadn't given didn't me. That just, I know. Did I'm it ma- open your heart or it, did it hurt it? Well, no, it completely opened my heart. I don't. Yeah, I don't believe yeah. in being hurt over it. I, I just think that that you know when you when you're as close and and she and I and we've talked about this when you've been a guest here on my daily show on LA Talk Radio that she and I were as close as you and your daughter are. I mean, we were we were so tight, and and I think when you grow up um that tight you grow up with the knowledge that probably she was going to go before me so it's not anything that's like a big huge surprise she was 33 years older than me but yeah. but there there um she made me promise that when she passed she always used to say when i die don't you die too kid so i'm oh. i'm trying to follow the beauty of her message in so many things but especially in this regard in in making sure that i look at everything as a positive everything that i find is is a positive thing and everything that i discover about her that i didn't know is a wonderful thing it's like an extra treat that i get because i can never have another human on the earth embodied conversation with her uh, although I talk to her all the time, but I mm-hmm. think that it's uh, I was, but I had no idea that she had stashed a bunch of presents. And and honestly, it was upstairs. And when my mom's knees got really bad, she started sleeping downstairs, and she hadn't been upstairs in years. So it must have been something that she just stashed away for a Christmas and forgot about. But yeah. uh, but it was yeah. it was all Look, like beautiful uh, stuff. We used to get um, <laughs> we used to get Christmas presents at Easter because my mom would forget where she put them and find them. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mom would do the same thing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or I'd just get them for my birthday. She'd say, oh, God, I, you know, I was going to give you this for Christmas, but I completely forgot. And it, it's it's kind of like, you know, um, they're, they're saying hello from the other side. And for those uh, listeners of yours that are going through loss or will be going through loss, uh, I want you to know unconditionally, I've talked to so many people on the other side uh, through my channel and through John Edward and through so many um, amazing people that I, I work with. And uh, there is, it is irrefutable for me that they are alive and well and kicking butt on the other side. <laughs> so take um take joy right and peace in the fact that um all their troubles are over they're like so free there's that word again freedom is so up in our world right now you know i just um uh, was telling you <clears throat> got a little dog uh i had to grieve for about a year and a half and i woke up I don't know, about two months ago, I said, you know, Dee, it's just time to fill this hole in your heart. You need a dog. So off I went to the shelters because I always get rescues. And, you know, the people at the rescue centers are, well, what are you looking for? I said, look, my only uh, want is that she's a she. And uh, everything else I'm open to, she'll find me. And... So I went to five shelters, and this last one called me and called me back and said, this gorgeous purebred German Shepherd. But you know, Sheena, there just wasn't that connection. And as we were leaving, she said, you know, we had a little dog brought in, but she's in quarantine because she has kennel cough. I said, I want to see her. And I walked in, I walked up to her cage, and she stuck her nose out and put her little paw up, and our eyes met, and I went, 
and she's chosen me. <laughs> <laughs> so I brought her home. Her name was Meredith. What kind of name is, is that for a dog? That's a lot. And I thought freedom is so up in my community right now and, and in the work that I'm doing. I'm going to call her freedom. And the more I played with it, I love you, freedom. Want to go for a ride, freedom? Let's go for a walk, freedom. <laughs> what oh, a that's treat, fantastic. freedom. You know, it was like, oh, my God, I'm calling freedom in all the time in a joyful way and playing uh, with her. She's just full of the devil. And, and she's a Kelpie, so she wants to play all the time, run all the time. But I thought, you know, it gives me so much joy to connect with that freedom. And, and what better representative than a little doggy that's been rescued from the pound. That's right? wonderful. That's such a beautiful thing. Uh, oh, my God. I just love it. Uh, it's true. It's it's hard even when our when our furry people pass, right? I mean, you... You oh, need yeah. to try to think of it in a positive way, even though it's it's hard to justify why ever a kitty or puppy would die. But you have to, to, to find a way to go on, and I think sometimes the best way that you can go on is to get somebody else to love. Absolutely. Give somebody Absolutely. else a home. Absolutely. you got to find some place to give that love. Yeah. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when I was... Um, back I was speaking at a, a very big healing event and um, uh, a lady came up to me who um, was a channel and uh, did a lot of past life regression work and stuff and she came up to me and she said so who's the white shepherd that's following you everywhere and I kind of teared up a little bit I said that would be my Savannah we called her Velcro and she said, well, she hasn't left your side since you've been here. And um, I said, well, that doesn't surprise me because we were we were pals till the end, you know. So I'm sure she helped. And this is really my belief. I'm sure she helped me find freedom. I went, yeah, that dog's nice. That dog's nice. That's, that's really nice, Mom, but it's not the dog. <laughs> So yeah, is really, that interesting? Really, really happy. She's a handful, but I'm really happy we got her. Yeah, I had the same thing when I got. I've told this story so many times on the air. When I got my cat Molly, um, I had lost my first. I'd never had a cat because my mom had a horrible cat as a child, so we always had dogs. And um, when I bought my townhome when I was 23. Uh, this cat just started, she just wouldn't, she was on the porch, she'd run in the garage, I'd find her in the living room and not know how she got in the door. And at one point, <laughs> even my mom said, I think that cat wants to live with you and you should just take her. So um, uh, Aaron and I decided to, uh, you know, somebody had, somebody, she had been astray and one of the neighbors was feeding her and had named her Kiki. I don't know what kind of, who'd name a cat that. I said, look, if you can, if you're okay that your name's Aaron, you can stay. And she, you know, really became my best friend. My mom used to laugh that she was my familiar. And then uh-huh. she had a lot of problems because she'd been very badly abused and she wound up dying young because I think sometimes when you're not emotionally happy, you don't physically live as long as, as, as other oh, beings. Oh, for sure. And uh, as she was getting, dying and it looked like it was not good, I said, look, if you want to come back again and do this again, I would be happy to be your mother. So, no. you know, I had other ones at the time. I had Seamus and Liam and Megan, and we were just living our lives. 
And uh, one day I went to Petco with a friend who wanted to get a guinea pig. And I had this crazy idea because Liam was kind of my troubled child that I'd get him a fish tank because, you know, cats love to watch the fish. And I thought it's like getting cat cable. And they had pulled all the, (laughs) right? It's like cat cable. They had pulled all the fish tanks out that day and it was pet adoption day. And uh, first of all, but when I started thinking again about getting another animal and sort of filling that love hole, um, one day I was, I was at my mom's and I opened up the chest in the hall and there was a picture of Aaron sitting on top of her sweaters. And I said, why is there a picture of Aaron sitting here? She said, there's not a picture of Aaron in that drawer. And I'm like, here it is. Then two weeks later, I'm at a street fair in Sherman Oaks. And there's an area that has like the little stained glass things that you attach to your window with a sucker cup. And there's uh-huh. literally Aaron's little blue head. And I said, well, oh. wait a minute. So I got it. And I thought these are all signs. So when I got to the Petco and it was cat adoption day, I just literally was looking to get out of the area to go back to the guinea pigs. And there was this beautiful little blue because Aaron was a blue. Uh, swinging face down in a hammock, looking like she wished somebody would hit her in the head with a tack hammer and end her suffering. And I said, I I really want to see this cat. Well, meanwhile, they were trying to show me this other cat named Peppercorn. And this little guy was doing everything to get adopted. He was singing. He was dancing. He was pulling rabbits out of hats and doing magic tricks. And I'm like, <laughs> this this cat really wanted a home. And, and, and this one, the one swinging, just looked like she just wanted to end her suffering. I said, no, 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 I, I really have to have this one. So I had told myself... If I got a girl, it was going to be Molly. If I got a boy, it was going to be Mickey. So he picks her up, and he's trying to pull her out of the cage, and she's hanging on with her claws. And he says, oh, come on, Molly, don't fight me. <gasps> and I thought, oh, oh, that's my girl. So they said, I guess so. can you believe that? So they said, she's going to be trouble. She's been brought back before. She's not going to like that you have a dog, because I had a Pomeranian at the time. She's not going to like that you have other cats that are older. Um, she's not going to like the fact that you wanted to be an indoor cat. She's going to be very unhappy about all of these things. Let me tell you something. That cat, uh, who for the first month, disappeared. We didn't see her. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night, find her looking at me, and by the time I blinked my eyes, she was gone. And then one day she took herself for a walk down the hall. She's the best cat I've ever had. She doesn't scratch. She never misses the litter box. She not only loved the other cats and the dog, but as they all got old and died, she kind of became the mom and nurtured them all. Yeah. And she is truly my best friend. And, and I completely believe that she is the reincarnation of Erin because she's so much like her, but without all the pain of having been abused. Because, you know, Erin would love you until she bit you. But, oh. but Molly just loves <laughs> And uh, she is the best companion in the world. So I really, really believe that like everything in life, if you just stay in a calm, open place of, of saying, I'm ready for this, the universe will bring the right entity or the right thing or the right opportunity to you. You don't always have to go chasing and snatching everything. Oh, uh, uh, most of the time that pushes it away, actually. So if you can keep your heart open, and that's the big message for 2017, keep your heart open and live as much in the experience of what you want. And, um, you know, the more we push, I mean, stand up against the wall and push on it and try and move it. All you get is resistance. And that's pretty much how the universe works, too. Yeah. I want it. 
this is what it feels like when I have it, this glorious freedom and joy and love. And now I just, I accept all of the positive results that this feeling and this knowing is. Bring it on. And if we could just get out of our way enough to do that, um, we would realize how easy the creation process is. Yeah, yeah. It gets so much easier once you just relax into it. I don't know why that's so difficult for us as humans, but it it does get so much easier once you just relax into uh, a a place of of and trust and surrender. It's so much about surrender. Uh, You know, Sheena, I think because we think we're so much greater if we've worked a long time to create it. But really, the greatness lies in the easy, you know, I mean, how long did it take God to make the world? Come on. You didn't slave for years to do it, you know. So um, I I think we just have to, and this is another thing that's really up. If you want some big insight into who you are, get clear about one thing that you want. And then ask your little girl or your little boy what they learned about getting it, because it's usually the opposite. Like most of us want money, but what my little girl learned was we never have any money and people who want our money are bad and we're actually better people because we're humble because we don't have money, so God likes us more. Now, that doesn't go along congruently with, I want to make more money. I like money. So there's those two aspects of you that are fighting each other. And that cannot be a clear signal out to the universe. It's got to be a mixed signal. And how that looks is, okay, I make a little bit of money, but I have to work really hard for it. I make a lot of money uh, and then shit happens in my life and I have to lose a lot of money or spend a lot of money or I have to work so hard I don't really want the money. You know, it can play out in in various forms, but those two uh, challenging beliefs of duality create limited creation. Yeah. So if you can get your little girl or your little boy, and you can, on board to be integrated with you and what you want, it starts becoming a lot easier. Yeah, I, I love that. I, you know, I, I feel so lucky, and, and I think I've, I've reflected on that a lot this year, um, in not only in losing my mother, but also in spending a lot of time going through her paperwork and her journals and and a, a lot of the things that I didn't know about her, learning things about her. I mean, it's seriously, going through her office, which I call her mom cave, was kind of like uh, like opening up a, you know, King Tut's tomb. And yeah. at, at every turn, it was a treasure of, of something and many things that I didn't know about her. I didn't know my mother was a certified hypnotherapist. I found oh a certificate gosh, two weeks ago. Kidding. I thought, how did I not know this? Because we told each other everything and we talked about everything. I didn't know that she was interested in exploring um, white witchcraft for healing until I found a cauldron and 
and herbs and dragon's breath and and sage and i thought what because i thought we knew everything about each other yet there were many things that she wanted to explore and for whatever reason maybe the fact that she didn't get the kind of support in her own childhood that i got in mine um she was too insecure to or thought it wasn't of her generation or, or whatever it was but there was such an interest in it and it's made me really reflect upon um, a lot of her messages and a lot of the things she taught me and how lucky I was to to have the kind of a mother that asked me questions and asked how I felt about things and continually engaged me and and gave me advice that, it, that, it, that she was always there as sort of this wise sage, but always encouraged me to make my own decisions. And I think seeing how other people that I know grew up, it just continually blows me away how that kind of thinking that you were just talking about and being raised with that and uh, was so important in my upbringing and what a difference it has made in my life as an adult. Oh, uh, yeah. Lucky you. You know? Yes. Yeah. Lucky, lucky, lucky me. Lucky you that you weren't put in that stereotypical thinking and were allowed to um, explore all possibilities. Well, and that's why I feel like it's sort of my mission as it was hers because she was a teacher and and she was a therapist and she was a lover of of children and of people that I now in her memory pass on as much of her wisdom as I can through this show, through I am raising the vibration dot com, through uh, just one on one with people that I know and love that call me and say I have a crisis, can you fix it? You know, just really uh, tr- trying to be an ear and, and a voice of positivity in people's lives because I was so lucky that she passed that on to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. I, I tell this story on the air all the time, and I've probably told this to you on or off the air, but she always had this thing that she would say that because her life had been so much struggle and her childhood had been so rough that she believed that she was put on the earth to raise me so that I could go on and do good things. And, oh. and it, I know, can you believe that she would say it over and over again? And about three months ago, I found a journal in her office that said, uh, do, had her name on it, and it said, do not read. So I read it. It didn't have my of name. Course. It didn't tell me not to read. It didn't have my name on it. And it was basically about, written just about when she was my age. So I was in uh, junior high. And she was having a health struggle, and she was very, very concerned that something would happen and she would leave the planet before I was old enough to take care of myself. And again, there she put, I can't imagine why I've gone through all of the struggle and pain in my life except that that I was just here um, to raise my daughter because she's going to go on and do great things in the world. And, And I sat on it for a while and I thought about it. There was something different about reading it than there was about just having her tell me that all the time and then laugh. Um, not laugh, but, you know, laugh like, you know, isn't this funny? I'm just here for you. I um, I was ruminating on it one night, and, and then suddenly it occurred to me that I, I think she was right, but I think she had it backwards, that I think I was really put here to spend the first half of my life soaking up all of her wisdom and her teachings so that I could spend the next half of my life passing those on to the world. Because you know, I think you're both right. <laughs> okay, good. I, I I think we we get together on the other side and we go, this is what I want to learn. Uh, this is what I want to experience. This is how I want to grow. Oh, you'd be a really good match for that. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I always tell my daughter, go beyond 
whatever I've been. Look, look at my BS and learn from it and let it go from your life and look at my greatness and expand on it in yours. You know, I think that's the, the only and the greatest gift we can give our children is you don't have to be who I am and you certainly don't want to take my limitations, but everything that was great about me, baby, you know, take it out and make more of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's and that's that's absolutely true. I mean, you can't you can't bring somebody back from the dead, but you can keep you can keep their the the beautiful essence of their soul alive by continuing to do their work on the planet. Yep. And and I, I really realized at that time that I wanted to do something to honor her and I wanted to do something in her name. And then coincidentally enough, when the presidential election results were announced on her birthday and my oh. first without her, uh, I thought, this is it. This is this is what I need to do. I Because she loved this country so much as I do and um, uh, was such a patriot and such a, a fighting liberal that, that, like me, doesn't, belong, doesn't believe the word patriotic belongs to conservative people and uh, wanted, always fought for human rights and always fought for, for people's rights to be equals. And, you know, when we lived in conservative Orange County the second half of my childhood and as, you know, friends were getting kicked out of their homes for being gay or getting their nose pierced or getting a tattoo or deciding they wanted to be an artist, they would live at my house. And she just kind of had an open door policy. As many kids that wanted to come live was great with her. And uh, so that's that's... I feel that on her birthday, there was something, there was, there are no accidents, right? And that was certainly not an accident. For sure. And that was when I founded this movement. And, and it really has sort of become um, my biggest focus in life right now is to, to move forward with this and to, to spread as much peace and love and kindness and create as much unity as I possibly can because. Um, well, I, I would love for you to send me all the the links and everything I will and I'll get it out to all my Twitter and everything because you know I'm right up there with you and you're so wonderful and you're such a wonderfully supportive friend and you always have been and I'm so grateful and thankful for you in my life and I appreciate that right back at you sweetheart I think all of us that are just trying to bring more light into the world if in and this is kind of the idea behind I'm raising the vibration of the nation if we all stick together uh, that then that force of light and good and and uh, joy and happiness and warmth and love just continues to grow and and then it can't be defeated you know there there is um, there is safety in numbers and there certainly is uh, an importance to having everybody on this vibrational plane of of let's let's think positively like you said I'm not telling anybody not to act. I'm not saying we all have to be happy with various things that have happened in our country and in our world. You don't have to like everything, but the way you respond to it uh, makes all the difference. And, uh, you know, that wonderful Martin Luther King quote that I quoted one day on IamRaisingTheVibration.com, that, that you can't fight hate with hate. You can only fight hate with love. Yep. And it's, it's really he, true. He really, did, he really did have it. He got it, yeah. And, and that's why his movement... Um, was so success- successful even around the world, and um, and I think that's primarily where all the women's march was based. Yes, which of course included LGBT and 
and people of color and and really what we were marching for was freedom everybody wanted freedom everybody in that march wanted freedom uh, for the right of their bodies freedom for the right of their color freedom for the right of their gender freedom for their right of choice right yeah and that's what the march for me was about i agree i have a right to my own freedom yeah I completely agree. And I love that, that, that everybody marched, that so many men marched in the name of women as well. Yeah. It wasn't just Beautiful. people preaching to their own choir. Because the truth is, and I've always said this, that if, first of all, women, we're the majority, right? In populace, there are more of us than there are of men. So if women and people of color and people of different religions uh, and people who are differently abled, if, if people in the LGBTQIA community, if we all got together, there would be no majority oppression anymore because we would be the majority. If we could just all organize in love, the whole situation would fix itself. Yep. But um, people yep. are so tied up, sometimes even within their own communities, uh, within their own niche communities, fighting with each other. Yep. That's, that goes back to what we talked about the first five minutes is let go of the struggle, guys. Struggle yeah. isn't going to get you what you want. And that was the beautiful thing, I think, about the women's marches is that you saw, I mean, first of all, the numbers, right, over 750,000 in Los Angeles. I mean, how yeah. how proud are you of this beautiful city that we live in? Yeah. And, and, and you, awesome. all different kinds of people marching together with all different kinds of personal agendas coming together for one agenda and i think that that is um that is such a beautiful thing and we need to see totally bipartisan too absolutely you know uh women from both parties marching together and and i love that it was a beautiful thing and a peaceful thing and and a movement based in love and that's i think for sure why it affected the world so much i mean and to have women in Europe and and other countries marching with us at the same time because again it's it's not about politics it's about our freedom to choose who we are I agree I agree is is it hard for yourself for, as a spiritualist is it hard for you to um tie your spiritual life and your three-dimensional life together like i mean obviously you're you're a human being and a citizen so you have you have political leanings and then you're an artist and not only an artist but you're a businesswoman in the in the the world of show business so you have you know those things in the three-dimensional world then you have your spiritual life is it is it is it easy and has it been easy for you to intertwine all of those well i i think i'm just always challenged to walk the truth that i know that's that's the biggest challenge for me is I will get <clears throat> caught up in the anger and the judgment and the stupidity <laughs> <laughs> right right and and part of my head is going D you know you're going down the toilet with all this this isn't the answer open your heart get back to love um, trust that things are working out for the highest good because that's what you're holding. Uh, you know, if our, again, if our our mind thinks in pictures, if our focus is on fixing everything 
and how fearful then we inadvertently by thinking we're doing the right thing actually are creating the very thing we don't want yeah um you know sheena for me the whole election and everything um i was not for mr trump i am not for mr trump and his ideals and uh his consciousness um and the hardest thing for me was grief because uh, like you and your mom i seem i want to cry i love my country yeah me too i have always loved my country and i have been so proud of america and being american not that i turned my head to her problems and her challenges but that i i was always filled with the honor of being an american and my picture and my experience of what america has always been has been very threatened during these times and i find myself you know anger is a secondary emotion any actor will tell you that underneath anger is grief or fear and when i really got to the bottom of my anger i broke down in tears because i was grieving for losing that purity of what my country had always been to me yeah and that's that's the hardest road that i'm walking right now yeah i i i agree and i i went through the same thing and uh you know i sort of thought not naively and maybe with a little bit of overconfidence that um, the win of Hillary Clinton for president, wh- whom I supported in 2008 and again in 2016, that that, that, that was going to make it easier to deal with the, my first mom's birthday without her. And, and when I saw what was, when I saw what happened, and, and I, you know, I respect anyone as an American to vote for whomever they want to make Absolutely. whatever choice they want. It wasn't about the candidate himself. It was about the the message of bullying and how many people resonated with that. And immediately yeah. on social media, how there was sort of this sore winner mentality amongst many of Trump's supporters that was then met with a lot of angry, flaming hatred from from my fellow Democrats. And it, it just seemed like all of a sudden everything erupted into a hate fest. And for the first time in my life, because I do love this country so much, and now I'm going to cry, I considered the option of moving abroad. And I have never, ever felt that way in my life. And it kind of scared and sickened me that I thought that, because I love this country so much, I barely even travel out of this country. And 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 then I it took a couple of days for it to kind of sit with me 
and then um, it was it was Friday now. It was eleven eleven. I know it's so important, right, in the metaphysical world. It was yeah. it was eleven eleven, and I, I it was Veterans Day, and it was the day of the week. Every week, every day, or once or twice a week, I drive down to Orange County and work on Mom's house. And I thought, oh my God, this is the last thing I want to do today. I cannot do Mom's house on top of everything that's going on. And then I thought, you know what? Nope. You get your butt dressed and you get in the car and you go down there and you just do it. Because life can't stop because you don't like the way that an election went. And I literally was walking to the car. And as I was walking to the car, the whole idea for I'm raising the vibration of the nation and the world downloaded into me. And by the time I was in the car, I had the whole thing. And I, mm-hmm. I, and then I knew that I was meant to stay here and do work for this country. And I still love this country. I don't, I don't love everything that's going on. But instead of you know spending my time on Facebook talking about, oh, I, I don't like this cabinet pick, and I hate this one, and I hate that one, and what's he saying now? What's he? I, instead, I focus on positivity and love, and and people in politics and in art and in the world of philosophy that I respect and putting their quotes up on IamRaisingTheVibration.com instead of, I mean, am I going to put something up that, that a candidate that I don't support that, that tweeted something angry or am I going to put up something from Gandhi or Buddha or Martin Luther King or Abraham Lincoln or, you know, somebody that I love and respect and I just... That raises the vibration. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just shifted my focus into... Um, into something very different. I shifted my focus uh, into even more of a place of positivity than where it already was because I think it's essential now. We don't have a choice anymore. This is not a time to... Um, you know, sit back and, and do nothing and be lackadaisical and say, well, I don't know, I could, I could do something positive or I could just not be bothered. I mean, now more than ever, we need people to be warriors of positivity and of light and of love. And uh, it's the only way that we're going to make sure that we in this country and also many countries in the world that are struggling get through the next two, four, eight years um, intact with with and make sure that all the beautiful progress that we've made in this country doesn't go away, that we that people still have rights and freedoms and and feel safe and feel like it's okay to to be different but equal. And, you know, all of those things are so important. Yes. And you you use the word feel so many times, and I want to reiterate for anybody that's listening, the feeling is what creates the manifestation. Yeah. Not the words. I mean, the words are very useful to help us focus the intention of what we want. But you've got to put the feeling of that joy and freedom and love and match it with that because that's what the universe is going to respond to. Absolutely. That's ab- absolutely the truth. Uh, how, how do you, So how are you... How are you dealing? What are you doing post-election? How are you, how are you dealing with things that, are, that make you unhappy? And, and what are, well, how are you sort of helping the solution on, on your end? Well, you know, I, I have my own radio show, and I work with clients on a daily basis doing private sessions. And I write my e-blast. And um, so what I'm doing... That helps me the most is helping others and channeling the truth for them, which reminds me all the time of what the truth is so I can ride my own butt and get back to it. 
<laughs> yeah. And really, in, in a nutshell, um, I have posted up all over my house going, my heart is open with a smiley face because um, it's incredible. I can do a half an hour session and my client can actually open and close their heart 8, 12, 15 times in a half hour, depending on what we're talking about. So you can imagine how we're all challenged with that in this world, uh, listening to the news and everything that's going on now. So, um, you know, I think it's a great idea for everybody to do that because the minute you read My Heart is Open and see a smiley face, your heart opens. Now, you can also just start laughing anytime you want. That'll open your heart. Sure. You can also, I teach my all my clients to have a love place so that they can automatically pull up that state of love. For me, it's Gabby, when my daughter, when she was a little baby, uh, Savannah, my white shepherd. Uh, you know, I think of them and instantaneously I am in a love experience. So you want to have those touchstones that you can always call upon. Um, Laughter is amazing. Most people think you have to have a reason to laugh, but you really just have to choose to laugh. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Well, you can um, think of something in your head that makes you laugh. I mean, a reason to laugh. I mean, it's so easy to laugh. Yeah, and sometimes you know, I just, I'll find myself what I call going down the toilet. You know, your thoughts take you there before you even know you're you're going. And I'll just stop, literally, wherever I'm at, and start self-talk and go, really, Deanna, you want to do this? Because, you know, this really screws up your immune system. So if you really <laughs> want to get angry like this, hey, if you want to get sick, that's cool. And, you know, your blood pressure goes up whenever you get pissed off like this. But, hey, if that's what... And by that time, I'm so in touch with the ridiculousness of what I'm doing that I start laughing, right? So self-talk is really great if you don't take yourself too seriously. But it's it's true. Every time you get angry, judgmental, um, fearful... It crashes your immune system, guys, and and the flu season this year one of the worst in history. Yeah, well, because everybody's everybody's angry. I mean, people yeah. are angry, and that anger, and they're they're fighting, and they're engaging, and um, you know, then then they're threatening. I'm just going to get off Facebook, and I'm just going to get off Twitter. It's like, well, then that doesn't solve the problem because now now you've cut yourself off from the flow of where all the souls are. You need to be there and find a way to be there and be positive. Just to just to run away and lock yourself in a corner and just be angry by yourself that isn't fixing the problem. Now you're just doing it alone instead of with other people. I mean, it's good you're not doing it at other people, but it's not really fixing the problem to put your head in the sand and just pretend it's not happening and just be angry and you're still angry. Yeah, you're just not allowing yourself to be plugged in as much. Yeah. But, you know, where we all want to get to is be in the world but not of it. You know, be be in the world, know what's going on, allow everybody their voice. 
but you don't get hooked in the vibration. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's and hard. You know, it's it's hard it to is stay challenging. Yeah, for it, sure right it's now. challenging to be on social media, you know, when there isn't a huge election that just happened. It's um, it's hard to stay in that zone where there are so many souls and so many of their energy all in one place at one time that you can access with just a click or two. That's a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, and it's it's hard to deal with. um Sometimes it's hard to deal with people's energy. You know, I had I had forgotten um, how much energy I have to deal with until last night when I was at the Hollywood Improv, and I I have not been amongst people like that since I was in the hospital between Christmas and New Year's, and I was ill prepared for the effect that engaging with that many people in a short period of time had an effect on my heart while it's still It takes healing. an amazing amount of energy. It does. Yeah. And it used to be the easiest thing in the world for me, but I was healthy. And, and I didn't realize that I wasn't healthy because, you know, I come here and everybody at LA Talk Radio is my family. And I sit down in the studio with one or two people and I sit here and I do a show and it's easy and I go home and it's, it seems like I'm fine. But it had been a long time since I had dealt with that many people at once. And it made me really, really understand, and this is a terrible thing to say, why sometimes when there's an event, celebrities will pop in, do a red carpet for five minutes and disappear before the show because it, it is hard to have that much energy uh, at, coming at you all the time when you don't have an unlimited supply. And sadly, right now, until I get healthier, I don't have an unlimited supply. And, yeah. and I learned a lesson about that last night. And it's, it's not that anybody was anything but wonderful because people are wonderful. But I think when you, when you put out a lot of healing and a lot of healing messages and people know you for that, uh, people come and everybody comes to get a little bit of a healing. Like I said, which is wonderful if you feel fantastic and you have an unlimited chi. But when, when you no longer do, it, it can be draining in, in the most wonderful of ways. And, um, you know, every day is a lesson. And yesterday was a lesson for me that I need to um, put a little bit of a protective bubble around me until I physically get where I need to be. Yeah, and that's true. Uh, I've been, you know, I work with a pendulum, so I'm testing everything that you say and everything that I say. And and that's true. And what you have to realize when you get around that many people is you're uh, being bombarded from a lot of different dimensions of energy. Yeah. And a lot of different belief systems of energy. And whether you you pick it up consciously and understand it consciously, um, your inner your energetic system gets it, and so it starts it starts dealing, it starts handling it, it starts trying to understand it, it starts deciphering it, right? And it was also extremely warm up there. Oh God, yes. Know? Oh, you it know. was it was so, and I don't think I've been anywhere that warm. It's been so cold, and I think I got dehydrated. You know, when you're when you're on blood pressure medication, getting dehydrated is the worst thing. And uh, you know, I was trying to act like the me of two months ago, 
uh, when I'm now the me of now. And I, I, again, that's naivete mixed with a little arrogance, right? That I didn't, I thought I would just be fine. And I, and I felt myself getting more and more kind of drained. And I went back today and looked at some of the photos and you can see like as the photos progress, how I look a little scarier and a little scarier. And uh, I remember at one point, we didn't see that. Listen, the channel wants to bring something in. Please. If you would like to. I would love that. Can you give me a song? Any song. Can I give you a song? Any song that pops in. Uh, The the Carpenters, uh, Rainy Days and Mondays. It's my favorite song. Okay. Rainy Days and Mondays always get me down. All right. So, um, because I was asking, what is really at the core of this heart challenge? Sure. Okay. And uh, it's really exactly what we've been talking about. Um, You know, we... And I know this because I'm very conscious of it. Uh, people like you and I know, and because we know, we think we're handling it. But all of this is affecting all of our energy much more than we understand. Yeah. And our hearts are taking a hit. And our, uh, you know, I'm. You know how much energy I have, Sheena. My God, I'm like the Energizer Bunny. Yeah, you are. It's just blah, go, 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 go. And I'm tired. And it's not like me. And, um, you know, the channel said, D, your, your joy systems and your love systems are having to try to understand what this is all about. It's not the picture of what you can understand. It's almost beyond comprehension and i think that's what a lot of us did was oh my god i i can't believe this on election day and um so now i'm going to your little girl um when you were very very little sheena what what couldn't you handle uh, what comes up when I use those words? What couldn't you handle? Um, I don't know. Uh, loneliness, isolation. We moved a lot, so I was always in a new place where I didn't know anybody but mom, and my dad worked all the time, so we never saw him. So I guess uh, isolation was hard. Um, yeah, we're going in the right direction. And what did isolation have to do with your mom? My mom felt isolated her whole life. She felt like it was impossible for her to connect to people. And uh, she and my father had a very estranged marriage, I think their entire marriage. And uh, loneliness was a kind of a big theme in her life. Well, that's what this is plugging you all back into, you and your little girl. And um, I would invite you, you can't control that you can only allow it and recreate it because that's not the truth of your life now obviously you have so many friends who love you absolutely and and support you but that little girl because of everything that's happening is feeling very isolated and and it scares her and so it shuts her heart which shuts your heart and then things don't flow 
Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, well, and I also think losing my mother, who was my only yeah. family member and and you know really my best friend, um, to to realize that for the first time you're really alone in the world. Although I'm completely not alone in the world because I have the most wonderful tribe in the world, like you said. Um, but I think still there's a there's a closeness that she and I have that I've probably never had with anybody else, and uh-huh. so that's gone. And I'm sure, yeah, I think I. I haven't even allowed myself to acknowledge how lonely I feel because I'm so busy trying to get her estate taken care of and her house taken care of and just keep moving forward. And I really thought I was handling everything like a champ uh, until my heart fell apart. And this well, is, you were on the surface, right? You know? So take some time to really love your little girl, yeah, and and understand. Oh my gosh, I'm alone because that's where she's at right now. Yeah. You can reason it, but experientially, I mean, when Carrie and Debbie died within a day of each other, I I got up the next day and I was alone in the house, which I like, and I couldn't understand why I was so depressed. And I went about my day and got a lot done and and then I around 11 o'clock in the morning I was in the living room and I sat down in the chair and started bawling my eyes out and I just asked oh my god what is this about and I'm going to cry the the first thing I saw was myself and my daughter, Gabrielle. Yeah. And then she called me two hours later, and she said, Mommy, I can't handle Debbie Reynolds and Carrie dying. It's, I don't know what I'm ever going to do if I lose you. I, I don't know what I'm ever going to do. And here the two of us, in a totally unrelated thing, but it it reminds that part of you that you're in fear of, and it says you, you you're going to have to deal with this, right? Yeah. So I'm I, I'm I'm just going to give you a little hint of what's going on here by your reaction to something that seems totally unrelated, right? Um. But that's the connection you had with your mom. And, by the way, the channel saying, Debbie and Carrie hit you, too. Oh, well, I'll I'll tell you exactly how Debbie and Carrie hit me. Uh, Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds both died while I was in the ICU. Oh. So first it was Carrie Fisher, and then it was Debbie Reynolds. And I thought while in the hospital in the ICU, which is very isolating because you hardly see anybody unless you call your nurse. Yeah, and see, I, there's that word again, isolation. Right, never been to an ICU, in an ICU before. I've had many surgeries uh-huh. in my life. I clearly believe that my uterus was possessed by Satan, but never, ever, ever have I ever been in an ICU before. And, you know, and the heart monitor is goes off every time it goes up too high and it's screaming at me every five minutes. And then, and then and Debbie that, Reynolds... And that helps keep your right. heart... Exactly. And then uh, I have an IV in both arms and one's putting medication in and the other one's putting something else in. 
and I'm in this glass room where everybody can kind of see in, but nobody comes in. And, and I have wonderful friends that came to visit me, but, you know, still. So then all of a sudden, the next day, Debbie Reynolds died. And I thought, in my heart, I thought, am I supposed to die because my mom died? Because we were that close. Yeah. Because we okay. were even closer than them because they at least fought and had kind of good times and bad times. We only had good times. And I thought, maybe maybe when you're that close to somebody and they die, you're supposed to die too. And, and I sat there in that bed completely wondering if I was going to die. Yeah, and, and you know, you just didn't realize how much all that affected you. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, being separated and isolated from the people we love is the most fearful thing for children. And our little child, you know, is no different. Yeah. So when we lose somebody, they feel the isolation and the fear of, oh, my God, what happens to mommy? What happens to me if something happens to mommy? You know? Yeah. So let your heart kind of take that in and, and heal. You just weren't quite dealing with it all. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Well, and you know, it's also been, uh, it's been an 18 months. There was a, I've had an ugly breakup. I lost one of my, I've lost two of my best friends. Uh, my, oh. my best friend in the whole world who's like my sister is battling cancer right now and is in chemo, which is why she wasn't there last night. I called her when I when I got in the car, and she got me home with my heart crazy so to make sure I got home okay. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a lot of loss going on right now. And it's, yeah, people are leaving right and left. Oh, my God. And then luckily leaving she's... right and left. She's okay, I, and they have it under control, but it's, but it's scary to, to first lose my mom, and then two months later, the next closest person I have to family gets cancer. I mean, that's a scary... Yeah. You know, and I try people to be so tough. People have not signed up for what they have to adapt to. Yeah, it's true. So uh, I want everybody to hear that. Give yourself the gift of adaptation. Yeah. Because when you accept and adapt, then you can work with the energy that you need to work with to create the change in your life. If you don't accept and ultimately adapt, you're just running away, pushing down or fighting, and and then you get sick. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. And it, it just seems like every day when I go on Facebook, because at the end of the day when I, my brain is too tired to write anything or do anything cohesive, I like to just scroll through my Facebook timeline and just, you know, send prayers or well wishes, you know, prayer. Oh, my cat is sick or my mom died or um, I got a job or, hey, I hope I land this role. And I like to just go and put hearts and likes and comments and wish everybody luck and put awesomes and congrats. And I do that every night before I go to bed for about an hour. Um, it's kind of my wind down time of just sort of throwing out little friendly messages because during the day when I'm concentrating on doing things for the show and doing things for the movement, I don't really have time to do that. And it just seems like this last year, it's just a flurry and a frenzy of, um, you know, this person is dying and this person just died and this person died. I mean, it just seems like there's so many deaths, it's almost incomprehensible. Yeah. It's, there's definitely a cleansing and a, a choice 
Um, I know absolutely from working with Chris, my late husband, sure. um, from the other side, talking to my mom. Nobody leaves without choice. Uh, we sure as hell can understand that from over here. Um, but um, I've, I've been asked several times, several times to put that message out that nobody leaves without choice. They have their reason. They have completed what they needed to complete here or they're tired of trying yeah. and they just want to get the hell out, which we can understand right now. Yeah, no, and I, abs- <laughs> I absolutely believe it was my, my mother's choice to go. And, uh, I mean, just the way she stopped breathing and there didn't seem to be any reason for it. And I, I know she was ready and she was kind of done with being old and being sick and she just really wanted to go. And I, yeah. I like that. I take comfort in the fact of knowing that when you want to go home, maybe you can just say, you know what, God, I'm ready. And you get to go home. I mean, I think well, that's... Well, let me tell you, that's what my my wonderful singing teacher did, Lee Sweetland. He, he taught um, into his 90s. And um, I went to class, my lesson one day, and he said, you know, uh, D, I'm done. And um, I'm I'm not going to teach anymore. Now, I didn't know at that moment the gravity of what he meant. But he went to his beautiful wife, Sally, and he said everything he wanted to say to her and vice versa. And he said, um, I'm going into my room because I had separate rooms and um, don't come in for a few days and um, I'm, I'm going to go make my transition. Don't want to be sick. Don't want to be older. You know, I'm done. And he went in and he took himself uh, uh, to the other side. Oh. My mom, yeah, uh, my mom... Um, her kidneys started failing, and um, they told her she'd need to be on dialysis and probably a feeding tube. And she said, no, I'm, I'm not going out like that. Didn't sign up for this. You call in hospice, and uh, I'm going to go out with dignity. It's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Uh, and there is time. F- there is a time for that. I know it's so hard as a person who survives a loved one to make that decision. But when my mom was in the hospital, she, um, uh, you know, she had stopped breathing, and they, they, they pulled her into the hospital. They called me and started asking about her DNR. I didn't know what they were talking about, and I said, "What are we talking about here?" And they said, "Oh, oh, didn't anybody tell you your mom stopped breathing?" And I said, "What? Because she was, she was in a, a rehab center trying to get stronger so she could walk, but she was, you know, healthy as a horse." And everybody kept saying she was terrific. So I went down there, and she seemed very frightened and and said she didn't want to die. So I said, well, you know, they're like, look, we'll take her off everything. We'll stop feeding her. And I'm like, um, she's awake and she's talking. Maybe that's a little rash. So let's just let's she doesn't want to be put on a ventilator because she had always told me I don't ever do that. I said, but, you know, figure something out. So they put her on antibiotics. They put her on a BiPAP machine that was helping her breathe. And it seemed like she was getting better. And, and I, I think that was basically just the human resistance that we all have and the fear of dying. And then a couple of days later, they called me and they said, it's, it's probably going to be tonight. And it was such a slow, she was on 100% oxygen, and it was such a slow, it was going to take weeks. 
And there was this sort of this, her very sweet, very nurturing nurse had gone on a dinner break and this, you know, big kind of stern Russian nurse had come in and they had called the doctor and he said, there's really nothing else we can do. We're just waiting. And I, I looked at this nurse and I said, I don't have any family and I've never been through this and I don't know what to do. And she said, if it was my mother, I'd put her in hospice and put her in palliative care. So we put her in palliative care. I mean, I thought if this big, stern, you know, emotionless nurse can suddenly get teary and say, if this was my own mother, this is what I would do for Mercy. I thought, you know what, then that's what we do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then I don't know if, if you know this story, but she passed in the morning as the sun was, you know, my mom loved, loved the rain and every important thing that's ever happened in our life happens in the rain it's just kind of a thing that's happened with us i mean even living in california i graduated in the rain from high school every surgery i've ever had it's rained when it's good or it's bad there's always rain in our life so it was very cloudy and um just as she was passing the clouds opened up the sun had just come up and it literally shone through the window right on her and i felt her soul move from her solar plexus kind of out her right foot and then it was gone and it was almost like then her body almost seemed unrecognizable at that point and Mm. as soon as that happened the clouds came back again so i'm it's seven o'clock in the morning and i'm driving home back to the valley and i'm thinking i can't believe that she can't be dead because there's no rain and I get home and I walk up the stairs and I, I turn on the lights in the kitchen and it was the day of Nancy Reagan's funeral, March 11th. Somebody was playing her funeral out their window and there was a soul bagpiper playing. And my mom loved the bagpipes because we're <laughs> Irish. Wow. And at that moment, the clouds covered over and it got dark and it just started to thunderstorm. And I thought, and there's your rain, mama. And then I yeah. went upstairs to the bedroom And my dog, who loved my mother so much that she would spin in a circle for hours if you just said, who wants to go to grandma's house, was dying of this unexpected heart failure that came out of nowhere. So within four hours, they they had both gone into palliative care and passed. And I think they just didn't want to be apart. You know, I know. Great. It's great to be the survivor there. Right. But I really believe that she didn't want to live without my mom. And I think she went to to help her across the rainbow bridge to help her cross over you bet yeah because they loved each other so much and i think she thought well you know without her i'm going to that's it and i think they both chose to go because she was uh, older but you know very very healthy had never had a problem and the the vet said how long has she had congestive heart failure and i said i didn't know she had congestive heart failure she's been happy as a horse and he's like yes she's ready to go any minute so, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a, it, it, if you ever believe that everything, if you never believe that everything happens for a reason, uh, I think I have learned more and more this year, even though I always believed it, but I don't think I believed it this strongly, that, that there's a plan and a design for everything, and everything happens exactly when it's supposed to. You know, there's a beautiful uh, thing on my website that um, I would love for people to go listen to. It's yes. free. It's a past life regression that Dolores Cannon, who was one of the past life regressionists in the world, did on me. She she found my work and asked me to travel with her one summer, which was one of the great joyful experiences of my life. And um, 
during one of the weekends, she asked me to come up and uh, she wanted to do the past life regression on me. And the the messages that came out of that are just so amazing, uh, Sheena. Um, um, and she asked my father, who committed suicide, and Christopher, the love of my life, whom I lost uh, the day, well, pretty much when he turned 55. Mm. We'd been together 18 years. And, and she asked both of them at different times in the regression, why did you leave D so early? And um, they were kind of different answers, but basically it was so she could move into her own power. Wow. And it just gave me a whole different concept of the grace of why people leave. Yeah. You know? And um, the whole past life regression is is quite amazing and and moving and um, it will open up your hearts and your minds to a, a lot of things. Um, I think it's on the home page down at the bottom and it's free. You know, you can go in. A lot of my stuff on, on my site is free just to introduce everybody to um, to the concepts of self-creation and the truthfulness that I am, that I know. And it's I am, A-M, I am dwallace.com. It's wonderful. Go and check that out. We're going to take a quick break really quick, and uh, Dee's going to hang on with us. Um, I'm, we've been so busy talking and so engaged with each other that I completely forgot to take my break. It's um, uh, Raising the Vibration right here on LA Talk Radio, and we'll be right back after this in just a minute. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Alcohol-related harm affects us all. Everyone knows someone who's been touched. Alcohol-related harm ranges from lost jobs to serious mental and physical disease, from ruined family life to property damage, from violent crime to homelessness, death, or prison. Go to alcoholjustice.org and sign up for Action Alerts and E-News. Then you'll be ready to add your voice to many others when it's time to call for action that will reduce alcohol-related harm. Guitar, an amazing instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. So many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, 
all sorts of gear, how does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar, where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. So join me 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time at www.latalkradio.com on Channel One. And let's explore All About Guitar. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. When Debbie Fragner gave birth to Maddie, she imagined a world of possibilities. But when her daughter was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, a neurological condition that impacts a person's ability to move and maintain balance, she had to adjust her expectations. Cerebral palsy affects 1 in 323 children in the U.S. While this diagnosis may limit Maddie's physical abilities, it doesn't limit her ability to dream. Maddie is now 9 and has a dream to dance, which inspired the creation of the Children's Cerebral Palsy Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to the design and funding of innovative therapies that address not only the physical challenges of these children, but their dreams as well. As part of their Community Giving Day program, Whole Foods Market will donate 5% of net day sales to our movement on June 15th at their Tustin location and June 22nd in Newport Beach. Your purchases on these days will help further our cause. For more information, please call 714-746-4085. That's 714-746-4085. California legislator sends Bill SB 524 to Governor Brown to protect youth against institutional abuse. This bill would regulate residential programs notorious for abusing, attempting to convert LGBT youth. Let's be the change. Every child deserves to be treated with dignity and humanity. Stand with the Los Angeles LGBT Center and SIA organization against child abuse. Support SB 524. Go to PYIA.org and let your voice be heard. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. It's Raising the Vibration Radio. You can find us at IamRaisingTheVibration.com. Also, you can find me at SheenaMetal.com. And, of course, we're at LATalkRadio.com, and we're here every Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. My guest is my wonderful friend, Dee Wallace, and uh, we're just, we talk so much, I forgot for a whole half an hour over where it's to take a break. <laughs> well, we got it in. Divine timing, baby. Hey, that's okay. Just want to get that in pretty quick. Uh, but uh, it's uh, it's so wonderful to be here with you and to be able to have this much time to really, really get into all kinds of different things. Yeah, isn't it? Usually, you know, interviews are like, oh, you got 20 minutes. I know. <laughs> How much can you get out? And you, It's really hard to talk about deep, soulful things. 
yeah. in that amount of time. Yeah. Do you manage to do that? I mean, I know you've been on a press junket for your latest TV show. Is it? Um, do you find ways to throw little bits of positivity and spirituality into even those interviews? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's you know that's my agenda. That's my um, purpose in life. So uh, I mean, sometimes you know it's a little more possible than others. But uh, my show, Just Add Magic, has some lovely messages and uh, actually teaches an awfully lot about friendship and respect and responsibility and stuff like that. So it's a little easier. And, of course, everybody always wants to go back and talk about E.T. And um, what a better movie message at a perfect time to keep your heart open and keep your heart light on. Yeah, it really it is. I mean, it really is that time. I mean, we need to treat each other with uh, with love and respect and 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 be more need to be more like E.T. I mean, that sounds like a very cliche thing to say, but to come from that place of love. Unconditional love. Yeah. Well, I you know, that movie, that movie has changed and touched so many lives and continues uh, to do that, I just I I have so many incredible stories from traveling the world and talking about ET and hearing all the. I mean, I know guys that were conceived in the back seat, born in the back seat <laughs> during ET. And, oh, oh my gosh! And a beautiful story about a a mom came up to me and her. Um, uh, son was autistic and she had not heard him speak in 10 years or not a word she knew. and she took him to see the re-release of E.T. and on the way home he started saying every line in the movie that E.T. said oh. now that's a movie that transcends something yeah yeah. You know? no it's she true said, the, it was like it was a miracle happening inside my car and we just pulled over and I just relished everything he was doing with tears rolling down my face from this incredible movie. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, I've never, I don't think I've ever told you this story, although I've told it on the air before, but my best friend whom I was speaking of, who has been my best friend since high school, she was 18 and I was 15 when we first met. Um, one of the first things that we did was go to CET and it was, uh, it was at a fourplex in, in Costa Mesa where um, they basically had it playing at either three or four of the theaters, and there were lines, I mean, like lines for a Disneyland ride to see it. Yeah. And we thought we would be really clever and go to, like, the 1045 show and there wouldn't be a line. And we wound up waiting in, in like, a two-hour line to see it and, and talked in the line. She and her boyfriend at the time took me, uh, the, two of, the three of us went, and that's our friendship kind of began uh, waiting in line um, for <laughs> ET. So isn't that a great story? So we it is, that's always it is something that's very special to great us. Story to add to, I, I sometimes I think I should do a book <laughs> of you know my my stories from ET traveling the globe. Oh, I think you absolutely should. <laughs> I don't know if I could get the rights to do it, but it'd be a fun book. I think that's a that's a wonderful. Uh, it's sort of a wonderful little bit of magic that you got in your. I mean, you've, you've had so much magic in your career, but certainly that's something very, very special to have been a oh, part of that. Oh, for sure. I had a 
a young man come up to me and uh, uh, say, Ms. Wallace, I, when E.T. came out, well, I li- he started with, I lived in a small town and uh, a very religious-based town, and my parents divorced, and I was like an outcast because of it. And then E.T. came out, and you were a single mother, and Elliot was me, and all of a sudden, it was okay to be who I was. And I was accepted again, all because of that movie. Oh, I'm sure wow. it wasn't all, but in his perspective and experience, that's what that movie meant to him in his life. I mean, it's, I was the first single mom on screen in a major film like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I didn't think about to it think like that. that now, right? Yeah. I didn't even think about it like that, but that's very, very true. What what is your I don't know, I think we've ever talked about this but do, do you believe in in that there are um sentient beings outside of the earth? Oh, of course. Okay. I do oh, too. Sure. I know, yeah. but you never know. Yeah, you always have to ask cuz you never know for yeah, sure yeah. if people do. I I mean, yes. And I think ET got it right from uh, Dolores Cannon and I uh you know, through her past life regressions and her hypnotherapy um took so many people she wrote several books actually about um the um, information that she got from the regressions and the hypnotherapy with people and when they would have experiences with extraterrestrials and you know she dolores was in her late 80s when she passed and was still traveling the globe and teaching every weekend (laughs) and um she she used to say i just don't understand your business dean you know i'm so glad that that somebody did et and told it the right way but i don't understand you know your business and their love for making all the extraterrestrials so scary like they want to take us over because you know, they they have this law that they live by that they can't interfere, and they're trying to help us. They're all out there trying to help us, going, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but they they can't interfere with man except to dispense information and, and stuff at times so that we can choose for ourselves and guide ourselves in the highest way possible. Yeah, that's, I did not, I mean, I guess I, I didn't know that. What, what, what do you think that they think of, of humans? Um, I, I think they think we need to be taught. Yeah. And, and I think they, um, what I'm hearing right now is that if we could um, get a hold of our emotions more, we would create instead of react. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but uh, like E.T. said, it's like you got to keep your heart light on. Yeah. You, you, I mean, my channel says it a million different ways every day. 
you've got to keep your heart open. You've got to keep your heart open. You know, uh, if if you don't know what else to do, open your heart and go to love. That's always the answer. Yeah, for I everything. agree. Open your heart, go to love. Yeah, absolutely. That's the answer. You could ask any question you ever want, and the answer could be ultimately open your heart and go to love, because love is is creates and heals everything. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely does, and and it I and and I think there's something about us as humans that we have an innate urge to resist that for some reason and uh-huh. I don't know why even though I've done it myself because as soon as we open up to it it it's the most beautiful thing in the world we just have to open up to it well I can tell you from an actor being an actor that when I open my heart and myself to the ultimate vulnerability it's the scariest and the best ride I ever get. Yeah. And I think so many of us, you know, when we were little, we were vulnerable and people died. We felt it deeply. And when mommy and daddy argued or daddy was a drunk in my case, or, you know, we felt it. (coughs) Excuse me. So, we learn to fear our vulnerability instead of allow us and and our hearts to feel everything knowing that we can handle it and uh, create wholeness from it and i think therein lies um, again so much of the reason for so much sickness in the world yeah is that when we shut our hearts, we shut down our flow. We shut down blood flow. We shut down energetic flow. And things start, you know, getting bottled up and our autoimmune systems start, uh, and our immune system starts breaking down or, or being threatened within. And when we can move back into love and open all that up, um, everything just flows again. I know when I finally speak my truth and the two voices become the one voice, uh, whatever I've been suffering with uh, heals itself. And you know, Sheen, I've healed myself from um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, low thyroid. Um, Good for you. Yeah, and and um, and yet my brothers, both my brothers, will still insist that their strokes and their heart attacks and all of that, quote unquote, run in the family. And I said, well, then what about me? <laughs> but according to my channel, genetics is an idea or a belief that we all go, okay, I'll buy into it and I'll believe that. And then the idea and the belief absolutely do run in the family. Yeah, it's well, it's very true. You know, I, I, my mother was a diabetic, a type 2 diabetic, and all of her uh, birth sisters, she had a birth family, she was orphaned, and then 
was in an orphanage for many years and then adopted by my the people I knew as my grandparents. Um, I think uh, of the five of them, uh, two of them died of diabetic complications. It's typical Irish family, right? One died in some sort of crime and one died of a liver problem. So it's like it's a, she was an Irish poster child. But she got diagnosed <laughs> with diabetes and she... Um, listened to doctors when they told her that she could just keep taking more medication and pretty much do whatever she wanted. And I always swore that if I ever got diagnosed, I would quit sugar and fix it and reverse it. And so I was diagnosed five and a half years ago. Um, and um, I quit sugar. I've been off sugar now almost six years. And I... Um, Every time something comes up and gets in my way, I got my sugar right, then I had a hysterectomy, and uh, my sugars went up again because it's harder to keep them low without as much estrogen, and then now I've, and I've just kicked it again um, where I'm almost off medication and almost not even considered diabetic anymore by my A1C, and I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can, you can cure yourself and you can make the right decisions, and it's a, it's a combination of faith and effort. But you can reverse almost anything if you have the right state of mind and you're smart about what you're doing. But a lot of people, we live in a world now where a lot of people would rather, and now I'm trying to do it with my high blood pressure. Um, we live in a world now where a lot of people would just rather pile on medications. Than, oh, my gosh. We are hypnotized. Oh, my God. In and, this country, we uh, are hypnotized to be sick. Yeah. And, and you go to a doctor and they just put you on more meds. And I, I actually... Um, just this last week, the, the medications they put me on in the hospital between Christmas and New Year's, I mean, just pill after pill after pill after pill. And I, I went and saw this wonderful cardiologist who, um, whom I adore. Uh, and, and I said, I, I can't, the side effects are killing me. I mean, honestly, this, I'm, the, I'm dying. And, and I, I had highlighted all the stuff online and I'd highlighted all the side effects and I was all ready to present him this whole thing. And he just looked at me and said, you're a smart woman. And if you say no... Then, then the answer is no, and I'll put you on something that works for you. And he took me off everything and put me on one pill. And, wow. uh, and immediately, I mean, literally that night, I felt better just having those drugs out of my system for 24 uh -huh. hours. Yep. It's, it's about finding the right doctor that knows that they work for you and that listens to you and finding somebody who, who resonates with where you come from, which is a, it's a difficult thing, right? There's so many things in our life that we have to find the right match for. And yes. that's just one well, area. And that goes back to what I teach a lot, which is you're your highest answer. So if it doesn't resonate with you and it's not right for you, you better speak your truth, right, so that you can come forward for yourself. Um, you know, when I go to other countries to work, you never, ever see advertisements for pharmaceuticals, ever. Wow. We are literally, I mean, if you aren't conscious, every time you watch a show, you get, what, five to ten messages of the disease you're going to get, the medicine you have to take, and how that might kill you anyway. Yeah, uh-huh, right. Everything right? ends in stroke and, and death. If you're not aware that you're listening to that and, and you consciously go, you know, I'm in perfect health, your subconscious grabs onto it, guys. So either mute the damn commercials, right, or consciously sit there and go, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm in perfect health, and that's the way it is. Now, they want to give everybody. There's When I looked up, I work with this amazing book called uh, The Body Book or Messages from the Body, which are psychological backgrounds of all illnesses. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's an unbelievable book. And you can get it on Amazon. It's by Michael Lincoln. Okay. A little pricey, but I've never known it to be wrong. And my channel, I mean, there's a whole page here, but they're taking me to one line for your community around diabetes. At base, they feel they don't deserve to have their needs met, which reflects past life issues that have to be examined. Now, I do a lot of past, well, I don't so much anymore. I have in the past done a lot of past life work for people, but I'm a firm believer in whatever it is. It's this lifetime now. This is the lifetime you have to deal with it. So deal with it and get on with it. You know, this is, as Marion Williams says, this is the life you've been dying to live. So you might as well live it now. Yes. Right? (laughs) Yes. So, um, you know, I just invite everybody to look at where you don't deserve to have your needs met and invite yourself to know that you deserve everything that you need and want in this life. Otherwise, you wouldn't be given the desire for it and the dream for it. Give yourself permission to accept that from the universe. That's beautiful. And, and as, you're, as you've cured yourself of your high blood pressure, what, what is the message for high blood pressure? Well, there's several messages in the book for high high blood pressure, but um, a, a lot of it, and, and a lot of our disease, guys, is from stress, and stress comes from w- what we think is the world fighting us, but it's really us fighting us, um, i.e., you against your little girl and the opposite messages that you have, your little child. Hold on, I'll look up high blood pressure here. That's a very big book. Hang on with with me for a minute till I Sure. This is fantastic. Uh, uh, it's interesting it's, how our emotionality uh, affects our physicality so easily. Well, and our belief systems, which of course, you know, it's probably high blood pressure. See blood pressure. Okay. So let me go back here. Um you know, your belief systems affect your emotions right so your words and your but really your your body reacts before your brain knows why it's reacting or that it's reacting your body has a sense memory like fight or flight we all know fight or flight sure so i'm going to go to blood pressure for you okay Uh uh-huh High blood pressure for you? Uh-huh. Here, here, here. They are afraid of their anger, and they feel they can't handle it, so they stuff it. Oh. Does I that think, resonate I think with I, you? I think I stuff everything. I think that I used to have quite a temper, 
And then I I learned that that was not a fair thing to do to people, to show them my Irish temper all the time. So I I think I I stuff a lot of things, and I think uh, this has been a great year of stuffing. So it's it's no surprise that that's why this is the year where my blood pressure decided to get really out of control i think well and that's what we got to remember before which was uh, uh, allow yourself to acknowledge your feelings yeah you know uh, and and the grief and the loss don't you can't stuff those down uh they'll your body will just show you that you're not in flow somewhere and high blood pressure you know is obviously not flowing right 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 yeah and it's too much pressure right you're putting too much pressure on yourself yeah like a pressure cooker yeah so it's gonna go up and up and up and up and up and finally it blows with a heart attack right yeah that's uh that's like the that's like the commercials that end in stroke and death but i I said that's that's like the answer to that. It blows up into a heart attack. It's like every commercial for medication that always says and may also cause stroke or death at the end. Yeah, uh, seriously, guys. Really start watching the messages we get that make ourselves dependent. You know, like indigestion, for example. I was having indigestion and heartburn. Not something I've ever had in my life. All about control right yeah and so the doctor said oh just take a couple of nexium every night i said well i can't do that for the rest of my life and then i was doing this autoimmune webinar with this doctor and i'm reading this whole book and studying up on autoimmune and one of the worst things you can do for your autoimmune system is to take antacids and nexium and stuff like that because your whole immune system is based in your gut yeah. so when you shut down your gut you shut down your immune system yeah and yeah. so i just asked because you know ask and you receive and i went okay so don't want to live with this indigestion i certainly don't want to choose to live on this stuff all the time so give me an answer the next day I went in um, to this appointment I had, and I was talking to the lady and telling her about this, and she said, oh, my mom just takes a half cup of warm water and a half a teaspoon of baking soda, and it, it goes right away. And you know it works like a charm. And I asked the doctor, why do you not give us that option? Yeah. And she looked at me, and she said, Dee, I don't know. I just forgot because that's just what we do. We we recommend Nexium. Yeah, and, and and apple cider vinegar. I'm going to start doing that tonight because I I just read a study today on on uh, oddly enough after my lovely bout with AFib yesterday that um you know the nerve that runs through your chest that causes afib it also runs through your stomach so sometimes a problem in your stomach can trigger afib and oh, so i started thinking let me tell you your gut is the most important right. thing you can take care of so i started thinking well what could be wrong with my gut because i i'm eating so healthy and i've lost all
all this weight? What could be wrong with my gut? And then I started reading about how you can have all kinds of different enzyme and vitamin imbalances. And one of the things that balances all the enzymes and the flora and fauna in your stomach is doing a, a tablespoon every day of apple yeah. cider vinegar. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that was easy. I can do that. So My singing teacher's wife, who played piano for all our lessons, lived to be 98. She looked like she was in her 60s, had full energy up until the day she passed, and she swore she took a tablespoon, isn't it, or a teaspoon yeah. of apple cider, cider vinegar every day, and they saw the chiropractor once a month yep. to keep to keep everything in alignment and flow. I hear you. I'm and doing they it. Both both of them worked up until the day they passed and lived grateful lives. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Yeah. We, we are so out of time, and I, it feels like we've been on the phone for five minutes. We just blew through two hours of crazy people. Uh, sweetie, thank you so much for being here, and I'd love to have you back on the show again. Where can people find you online and, and learn all about you and the wonderful things you have to give to the world? I am dwallace.com everything's there I've got a beautiful incredible little teddy bear that teaches children or the child within us to love ourselves perfect for Valentine's Day its name is Buffalopaloo it is on Amazon but you can also get it on my site wonderful and uh, if you missed that uh, then you can also go to IamRaisingTheVibration.com. You can go to SheenaMetal.com or LATalkRadio.com. Send me an email, and I will gladly forward the links over to you. And on social media, I'm at SheenaMetal everywhere. Until we see you next time, uh, think about everything that you hear on the show. Go to I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World at IamRaisingTheVibration.com. F- uh, follow us here Monday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time on LA Talk Radio and always be thinking about how can I put more peace, love, kindness into the world? How can I create more unity and what can I do to make the world a better place? Thank you so much for listening tonight. I love you all. Uh, I'm Sheena Metal and this is Raising the Vibration Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.